Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Fitness Podcast. Thank you so much, guys, for for listening during kind of the lockdown and stuff like that. It's it's a little bit of a weird time, um, and I'm very very grateful for the amount of listeners that are coming through, the amount of messages that are coming through, and then the amount of guests that have had the opportunity to to interview. And I'm very lucky today to interview Simon Mitchell. Uh, so anyone that doesn't know who Simon is, his Instagram handle is iron underscore paradise underscore fitness. He is an online coach based over in the UK. He is host of the Muscle Mindset and Meal Prep, a fitness nutrition podcast, which has over half a million downloads. He is also a MNU certified nutritionist and recently hosted CoFit 2019, which was an incredible event where he had the likes of Amelia Thompson, Jay Alderton, Jane, who's been on the podcast twice as well. Um, and that was an incredible event. And he's also had Dr. Mike on as well. So thank you so much for coming on today, Simon. It's a pleasure, my friend. Good to be here. How are you holding up in lockdown? Uh, good, good. I think that um, I've realised that my life was quarantine. Now someone just happens to give it a name. So uh, it's kind of a, not too much of a transition for me. But obviously, you know, it would be nice to get back to a gym and lift some dumbbells, throw some weights around, that sort of thing. But generally speaking, I think that versus I know some of the challenges that other people are facing is I've got it kind of it's kind of okay for me I'd say yeah no it's uh it's definitely just kind of like a mental win each day whatever you can do um and we're talking off air about kind of you're probably talking to your family and friends more often than you would have anyway so that's a that's a massive positive for anyone that's not aware of your story Simon how did you kind of get into the kind of the fitness and nutrition realm yeah so um way back when in like my early 20s I was kind of um always in the gym doing sort of bodybuilding style training not really knowing too much about what I was actually doing and I worked in gyms and things like that but it was never really at that point my desired career path I was kind of just doing it coming out of university I figured I'd work in a gym that's quite a cool thing to do so I kind of started in the gym and then went into corporate business so I worked for Jaguar Land Rover for well over like 10 years or so and did the whole corporate thing worked up that corporate ladder and then about, I'd say about five-ish years ago, I decided that that wasn't for me and that I wanted to go and follow my passion. And two things kind of coincided. One was that feeling that I wanted to do something that wasn't sitting and making spreadsheets and doing PowerPoint presentations about car parts. And the other thing was I used to be a sort of a high, what's the way to describe it? high level amateur cyclist in the UK. So I was very skinny, I was like 70-ish kilos, which is very different to what I look like now. Um, but I had an accident uh, while on a training ride and I broke my hip. And that basically meant I couldn't cycle again, so I haven't actually cycled for five years. Um, but it meant that going back to the gym, rehabbing and all that sort of stuff was what I needed to do. So then I kind of combined, well actually, I had this like fitness passion and I've got to go back to the gym anyway. So then I started to like, delve into more of like the evidence-based side of things on training and nutrition. I got a real passion for that. That led into MNU and that kind of then all snowballed into building the business as initially a side project. And then back in May 2018, I decided to make the full jump to doing this permanently and then kind of like never, never look back. And it's been best hardest but the best decision I ever made to leave that full-time job 
and do what I'm doing now. So yeah, that's kind of me in a nutshell. Yeah, I can relate to the kind of I call it having a real job when having the kind of the corporate lifestyle uh, i worked in recruitment and sales for probably five or six years and then got ill in like 2017 and then got, kind of got into kind of fitness and all this kind of stuff so I, I can completely relate to kind of that story have you kind of got any advice for like i know now is kind of a weird time a lot of people this is completely off script by the way this uh, a lot of people are going to potentially kind of have been kind of putting off kind of changing their careers have been putting off changing jobs or whatever it may be because of kind of being scared to do so um and now things may be taken out of their hands they may be unfortunately losing their jobs and stuff like that have you got any advice for someone who is potentially looking to do that and the way we've done it in the fact that we had a steady income and now it's kind of going self-employed it may not necessarily be self-employed but you may not be happy where you are so yeah, I think that um, the lessons that I've learned over the course of going through that whole process is that, first of all, it's never too late to make a success of a career change. I think you have to have a genuine passion for what you're actually transitioning into. And I think that there needs to be a realization that it's not easy. It's really, really hard to do it. So for me, um, I when I left my corporate job in 2018 my fitness business wasn't earning enough to pay my bills so I I made a jump because I kind of came to this realization is that I felt like I could I couldn't expect a full-time wage from part-time effort so I felt like I had to make that jump to say right I can only take this so far doing this as a side hustle in the evenings at some point I've just got to you know, take the plunge and just go for it. So I built up a little bit of savings. So that'd be one thing I would say is have yourself like a little bit of a safety net of savings so you can take the risk and it's a calculated risk rather than just a kind of, you know, throw caution to the wind and just go for it. Um, so I had this period of time where I had, if I didn't do anything, if the business didn't move, didn't earn an extra penny, I had six months. And that really focused my mind to say, right, now it's got every day's got a count moving this forward. And that's helped because that's given me a work ethic that means that I work incredibly hard every single day. And that's now just become my way of life. And it took me, when I was doing it as a side business, nine months to get one client. That was the how long it took me to actually start from nothing to get one client was nine months, nine months of consistently doing stuff every single day. And then from there, once I went full time, then the effort that you put in and you're able to kind of like almost double, triple your output, it then starts to snowball from there. So there's lots of different things that you have to think about. It is really hard. You have huge low moments. There was, you know, moments where I thought I'd have to shut the doors and go back to my old job with my begging bowl and things like that. But you kind of learn and adapt that because you're on your own in this entrepreneurial space, you kind of become creative. I also think that depending on what career change you're doing, it may not be for everybody. So I don't think that online coaching in a fitness world is for everybody. I don't think that it's, because the way I kind of like describe it, so sometimes I get like um, uh, trainers who may be new to the industry or something like that, come and ask me, okay, how do I do it? How do I do this? And how do I you know, do that? And it's a really, to me, it's a really different mindset. So in-person training and acquisition of clients and promoting your business is incredibly different. 
if you think about it, you've got this sort of uh, commercial gym where it's like a box of your potential clients sit in this little box of the gym and you can strike up conversations, you can talk to people, you can interact face to face, you can build up rapport, you can understand what their challenges are, you can then talk to them about if coaching is something that they want to do and it's a little bit easier. Now, you when you go into online, there is no confined box where all your potential clients are. You're like dumped in the ocean and said, right, go find your potential clients. It's very, very different and you have to kind of almost switch to um, there is a huge element of all of the, the back-end systems, marketing, all that sort of stuff. So I think preparing yourself for it's a lot more work than you think it is. It's a lot more challenging than you think it is, but it's not impossible if you have the drive, the will to learn. And a little bit like we would say to clients in terms of fat loss or something like that is it's about habits. It's about long-term thinking. You've really got to embody that in your own life or else you will be like the client who always seeking the fad diet or the fat burner pill or something like that you'll seek the business equivalent of that so you have to come into it with a long-term mindset i think rather than i'm just gonna start an instagram profile and then everybody's gonna come flooding through the door it just doesn't work like that um so yes i'm not sure if that was advice or putting a lot of people off but (laughs) i guess it's the reality well i think I think at the minute the way kind of the the fitness industry in particular is a lot of PTs who were only doing face-to-face have had to adapt either doing Zoom sessions or or trying to go online now and I think it some people say it's a saturated market but there are so many more people out there than there are PTs and coaches and stuff like that so I wouldn't necessarily say that it just at the minute you potentially have to work a little bit harder in how to actually listen to your clients and they're also they're going to be where you're going to get your content from and I think a lot of people forget that they forget to ask the questions and if people are asking questions some coaches can see them asking questions as a way of like annoyance but they don't necessarily take note of it like if you look at Simon's profile the, the posts the artwork that he puts into his posts it's hitting the nail on the head on nearly every single time it's something to do that a question has come through from a client or something that he has thought of that may help someone and that's my biggest advice to anyone that is trying to do the online coaching thing is to try and hone in on what your market is what your niche is can you picture your client sitting beside you at a desk going through a consultation and right say that is my person how am I going to talk to that person and it is very different uh, because I think if you've been at a PT beforehand it definitely helps because you can kind of do the move you can do kind of like if they're sending you videos you can see their movements all that kind of stuff but it, it is it is scary going out on your own um, and some as you said there are highs and lows it's like anything yeah. but it is I think, there's, I think there's different skills you have to learn as well so uh, for me I learned quickly that copywriting is a huge skill that you need in the online space because it's your vehicle for communication you can't talk directly to your potential client so um, you need to be able to talk to them through the captions that you write in Instagram through the emails that you send them into their inbox you have to find ways to add value entertain and all those sorts of things and be able to sell yourself and what you can deliver in terms of results through the medium of words and that's a skill that has to be learned and it's not necessarily uh, the easiest thing to do but again it's all possible um like people say that my writing is quite good 
but it didn't start out that way. It was bloody rubbish when I first started. Um, so it's one of those things like you put the reps in and it and it gets better. So I think that you know it just requires a different mindset approach. And yes, there's things you can do to accelerate the process. I think that there's just uh, an understanding that you're going to have to work on some new skills and you're going to have to be willing to put the time and the effort into acquiring those skills. Um, but then once you've done that, then you're off and running. Yeah, 100%. Uh, you've spoken about kind of putting the reps in. You've spoken about kind of training yourself from kind of doing the bodybuilding stuff to doing the cycling and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Motivation is a big thing that a lot of people are struggling with. Um, and as coaches and stuff like that, sometimes we even struggle from it as well uh, because it is a completely different scenario. We're used to having that kind of hour, hour and a half of our day kind of walking into the gym or whatever it may be. Have you got any advice for people that are struggling with motivation during this or in general? It doesn't even matter what time of the day it is or what time of the year it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, mo- motivation is a funny one in general, regardless of whether we're in quote quarantine or not. I think that right now, because it's such a little uh, a weird time for people, I think it's okay to change your goals, to have different focus. You may have started off before this quarantine period being in a weight loss uh, phase or trying to lose body fat whatever it may be and now because things are so different there's no right or wrong way to be dealing with quarantine in terms of how your mindset is so i think it's okay if you don't want to diet right now then don't diet don't force yourself to be you know we're already under stress and under various different pressures right now so for some people from a mental side of things why add the extra stress of dieting why not focus on something else like maybe having a more healthful diet adding more nutrients into your diet working on your habits and your behaviors and things like that that might be better served and actually put you in a better position when this is all over to then lose weight more successfully because you spent time working on habits you've spent time working on behaviors that actually in the long run make dieting a little bit easier so i'd first of all if you're struggling with motivation if for example it say it comes to nutrition don't feel like you have to beat yourself into the ground to have to do this you don't have to do anything you want to be coming at it from a mindset of you want to do it you get to do it you choose to do it all of those sorts of words rather than i should or i have to do these sorts of things so that would be one thing um for me I struggle with right now motivation to do home workouts. Um, my uh, previous, uh, when before this started, it was like the walk to the gym was a nice little break to go to the gym, headphones on, shut off from the world. That was kind of my little bit of me time. Now I'm in this room here, my little office, four walls, and this is where I work out. So it's kind of like this. I ain't got any different rooms to go into. I have, but I choose not to. Um, but it means that it's finding it quite difficult to say, you know, really make that transition into right now it's time to go work out where I'm in that same space. So sometimes I lack that motivation. Now, one of the things that I always get my clients to think about is discipline. So having discipline rather than motivation, because motivation is like waves that comes up and down. So if you act based on motivation, there'll be times when you do stuff and there'll be times where you just don't feel like doing anything and you kind of kick those goals to the curb whereas discipline kind of runs like a a vein through everything regardless of where your motivation is you show up for yourself every single day so what i try to instill in myself and in my clients is that discipline and that discipline comes from i think structure and routine helps 
again, there's different spectrums of having structure and routine. Some people like me plan out every single hour of the day into minute detail. Some people just plan in what's important. But I think that if you do struggle with motivation, first of all, try to think about, okay, well, when's logical for me to do this workout or when's logical for me to go out for my 10,000 steps or whatever it is that you're trying to get into or run or whatever it is that your goal is and set that as a non-negotiable in your diary so you know that it's happening at this specific time and that specific time it feels achievable discipline that structure that you're looking for the thing that i would then add on top of that is you want to start with maybe really low barriers of entry really low state commitments and by that i mean that for example you might say okay well i want to do a home workout so the first part of that is get dressed into some workout gear so rather than think about the whole workout that you've got to do, you know, the 5 million reps that you're about to do for leg training because you've only got some bands, um, rather than think about that, just go and get trained. That's like the first step in the process. And then you start to break down what it is that you're trying to do. And you're just kind of walking through process steps. And it's something that I've started to do with one of my clients. She was very much not for six when it came the whole quarantine thing is, you know, she loves her family, but having a family under her feet 24-7 was a real kind of um, kind of headache for her. And the fact that she couldn't go to the gym, she didn't have her usual equipment, she was kind of in a really low point. And then she felt like, well, okay, I've got, I'm not tracking right now, and I'm not doing my workouts, I'm not getting my steps in. So all of these things were kind of building up to say, well, if I can't do all of this stuff, then what's the point? And then she kind of lost motivation. So one of the things that you can do is basically strip all of that back, strip back all of the excess that, you know, you may have had the brain power and the bandwidth to think about lots of things before quarantine. But now, maybe because of stress and the situation, you haven't got that mental capacity to deal with a lot of things to think about. You want to think about a few different things. So what I've said to her is that all I want you to do is do one form of exercise, no matter what it is, per day. So you get out for steps, do a workout, whatever you want to do on that day. So kind of bringing in that language of want. I'm not saying she has to go and do a home workout. She has to go and do whatever in a garage or whatever. She, I said, one form of exercise, whatever it is you want to do. And then the second thing that I ask her to do is text me every morning with one positive thing that came from the last 24 hours. And so by doing that, she's only got to think about two things. One's a very quick text, and then one is just to do some form of exercise that she wants to do. So she's then started to make all of these uh, like little changes, and she started to make little steps towards everything. Now, without me saying or prompting her, she's now started to track calories. Uh, I've not asked her to do that. She's doing more workouts. I've not asked her to do that. But because she had less to do less to think about she now sees that you know she's got achievements from doing one or two things and now she feels accomplished she feels like she's capable of doing more rather than setting the bar really high getting demotivated by all of the things that she was doing before that she can't do now and getting demotivated by that she's now motivated by the fact that she feels accomplished and she can kind of move forward so i think there's lots of things that you can do um, structure, a little bit of discipline helps, and then just finding those ways of having some sort of low-stake commitments, I think, is a, a, a good way to start. I really like the the small little way of just getting into your gym gear. 
I really, really like that. It's such a small little thing, but it's the same thing that you're going to be doing if you're going out for a run, if you're going out to the gym. So that'll probably be the first thing that you would do anyway. So that that will set you up. And even if you don't feel like doing a home workout, like getting out for a walk, well, you'll feel so much better just clearing your head. Uh, and you can always just listen to a podcast, Simon's podcast or my podcast. <laughs> Good plug. Thanks. <laughs> um, one of the things that's kind of happening a lot on social media is celebrities plugging certain products and one of the the posts that simon put up was you wouldn't get a butcher to paint your portrait so don't get a celeb to tell you what to eat it definitely resonated with me because there are so many i call them asshats uh, <laughs> doing it and i don't think they realize what they're doing and some not some may some may not but can you expand on this point a little bit more yeah, sure. So I think that, you know, it seems to be that I think it's human nature to take advice from people we look up to and we respect. And I think in certain aspects of life, that's perfectly fine. So, for example, like if you like football and David Beckham's advertising Gillette razors, all right, you know, if you want to buy a Gillette razor because David Beckham says it's cool, then great. You know, you're only shaving your face. Now, um, I think that people, some people, not all people, not necessarily value their health as much as they should. It's almost like in the same bracket of, well, David Beckham advertises Gillette razors and that celebrity I like advertises this um, diet or this supplement, so that must be good too. And they don't necessarily think that, you know, health is like really important. It's like one of, if not the most important things that you can do. And I think that not getting or not spending time to figure out who's giving good advice is a, a detriment to a if you've got a specific goal you're not actually going to get there or get there in the best possible way and i think that it's about understanding who you should get information from and that's not to say like everyone's got to go get a coach and stuff like that it's more you know even if you're getting like free information like who are you getting that from really kind of think about who are you getting advice from is the fact that Joe Schmo, who's got abs and perfect pecs, just the fact that he did that once for himself is his program or is this supplement that he's offering out or his diet program actually any good? Is it come from a point of view of knowledge or is it just the fact that he's trying to make some money off the fact that he's got abs? Um, so I think that, that that's the whole sort of crux of it is that, you know, when you think about it, who would you take advice from when it comes from your your health and things like that you know you, you go to you go to a doctor or you go to whoever if you've got questions about your health you don't just ask the local shopkeeper about your symptoms for your health you go to the right professional for the right job and again that's not to say that everyone has to do coaching and everyone has to pay for that advice there's lots of good free advice out there so spend time figuring out who you get that free advice from rather than the latest fad or the latest thing and often it's a case of you know it's very easy to market a fad diet because you can just say anything and you know carbs are the devil and go on this program and you can lose 10 kilos in four weeks it's easy to say um whereas the actual truth is it a lot more in the unsexy gray area in the middle of everything and that's a bit of a harder thing to say to sell as a product or as a concept for people um so that's where sometimes you'll find that the celebrities and things like that because they have a huge platform because they're selling 
crappy products that are maybe they're sponsored to do so, then it's easy for them to get in front of you and put that advice, quote unquote advice, uh, in front of you. So I think that be cautious about what people are advertising and why they're advertising it is kind of the thrust of it. Yeah, and if they are advertising something, maybe just do a little bit of research into what it is. And if you're unsure and you've kind of you are following other people, like nutritionists or something like that, pop them a message to see or go to your doctor um, and see if that thing is for you um, or if if it is worthwhile doing. Because I think too many people are social media is a great great information point for a lot of people, but there's so much information out in social media so much information on the internet at the minute that i think people can kind of get a little bit lost on who to look for and if you feel that there's someone out there kind of not doing a call out culture but if you feel that there's someone out there kind of promoting or endorsing a rubbishy product or a crappy product my advice would be to kind of unfollow that person but i'm not saying do the call out culture because i don't really believe in it i know a lot of people do it but i personally don't believe in it um, the only thing I will call out is what there's one particular diet brand that I just I've had Jason Monroe on we went on a rant for half an hour about a particular uh, dieting company and yeah I, I we just we just lost it we just we had to bring, bring the episode back in after that um, there's a lot of kind of as we were talking kind of off air about kind of clients and stuff like that about kind of Easter just happened there was a lot of chocolate going around the place and <laughs> a lot of chocolate and people kind of have this i think particularly with bodybuilders this this word or this sentence kind of cheat day mentality kind of comes up an awful lot but it's kind of sneaking in now with kind of the general population and i think it's because there's so much information out there people are following people how would you kind of if someone came to you with kind of using that sort of language uh, how would you kind of move that person away from that kind of cheat day mentality Sure. Yeah, I think I think you're right in terms of uh, the general population. Um, what the, one of the guys who says it the most is actually one guy I quite I quite like. So the Rock um, is seems like a super nice dude. Yeah. Does great stuff, but he always bangs on about cheat day and stuff like that. And it's just not the not the mentality that you want someone to adopt because many most of the time, if someone's having cheat days and things like that then A, they're probably having way more calories than they think they are across the course of a week. B, they're seeing certain foods as good and bad and therefore there's a level of guilt that goes with that whole process. And then C, that's probably compounding together on both fronts to mean that A, they're creating a poor relationship with food and they are kind of in a perpetual dieting process because they're not actually getting anywhere and they don't maybe understand why. So I think that if I have a client come to me, I, to be honest, I rarely have a client that comes to me and says cheat day because I think it's something that I would I put out in my content. So most people who absorb that content would have come to me and kind of understood the concept. So I don't really get that type of client anymore. But let's say, for example, they did. I think that I, I like to show people what happens, you know, kind of work things through quite logically. And... I would basically show them, you know, what would happen if you ate whatever you wanted and that equaled 8,000 calories on, you know, one two particular days of the week. You had, you know, Friday and Saturday night out, you had pizza, you had all these different sorts of things. What did that actually do to your calorie intake? So show them by 
a measure of like logic. Okay, this is what it's done to your calorie intake, and this is why you haven't been making progress because you've been creating a calorie deficit here, but you've basically been wiping that out at the weekend with these um, uh, cheat days. I would also then say to them, well, actually, you don't have to have this situation where these foods, I can only have them on a cheat day or when it is a case of, I can only have donuts and pizza on the weekend. You can have those things whenever you want them as part of a more structured and balanced approach to your diet and trying to educate that person that these foods aren't inherently bad. We don't have to make epic moral decisions about whether a food is good or bad. We are simply looking at things from a point of view of, well, one is there's like a nutrient side to the the question. So for example, you've got one food is maybe more nutrient dense than the other. But we also have like the social and psychological elements of nutrition and, and food. So food is part of our culture in terms of, you know, we go to restaurants to socialize, we go on date nights, if some of us are fortunate enough to do that. Um, but um, And we use kind of food and drink and things like that as part of our social culture. So I think that understanding that, yes, there is this thing where there's a nutrient aspect to it, but understanding and teaching people how they can really still have the life they want to live in terms of being sociable, in terms of not being the guy or the girl that brings Tupperware to a dinner party and stuff like that, that they can have these things. They don't have to call it a cheat. They don't have to feel guilty about that process. Educating them on that is crucially important and it's something that for some people they get it straight away uh, for some people it takes a little bit of time so I always say to clients don't feel like you're inferior if you don't quite get it or you don't you still hang on to some of those maybe those guilty feelings about food uh, we could work on it and it might be something that takes time but I think education is is super important to kind of uh, pull people away from that uh, cheat day mentality and I think that when you have the view that all foods are on plan, you can't really go off plan and therefore you don't need a cheat and away you go because everything's on the menu. Yeah, and I think that leads in kind of to one of the other things that you mentioned was nutrition is for life, not just for 12 weeks because I think so many people latch on to this whole ideology of I've got 12 weeks, I've got eight weeks, I've got 10 weeks. They latch onto this time point in their head saying I have to achieve this in X, Y, and Z and then when the kind of the that time period is up they're like what do i do now yeah they're like i think i think it's one of those things the um i mean when i first started i i'll hold my hands up i did 90 day programs and all that sort of stuff and to a certain degree there's nothing wrong with that uh, an eight-week program a 12-week program perfectly fine and i think for the right person in the right situation they can work and of course you can get significant results in eight weeks you can get significant results in 12 weeks you can help people establish habits lose body fat build muscle you can get great results but i think that the danger is people get in their mind is that i can achieve everything that i want to achieve in 12 weeks and that for most people is just simply not the case i've rarely met someone yeah, I'd say it's the minority of people, certainly my demographic of client is the minority of people will get all of the results they ever wanted in 12 weeks. Most people, it's much, much longer than that, whether that is through the need to reduce body fat, build muscle, establish good habits, healthy behaviors, mindset around food. These things don't take 
12 weeks or eight weeks um, for some people is maybe they've got a great relationship with food all they need to do is a little bit of accountability and a bit of focus to push them into the level of leanness that they want and yes they could do it in eight to 12 weeks perfectly fine but I think it's about um, I've I've taken away uh, any sort of specific marketing around 90-day programs and things like that because I want to set expectations at the right level and once I've spoken to a potential client and understood where they're at understood what their goal is I want them to then understand and go this is how long I realistically think it's going to take you and go from there rather than set the expectation is I have this 90-day program and you're going to have everything you ever wanted in 90 days um you can quite easily say yes you get significant changes you can make significant progress in 90 days but it's not necessarily the case and I think that what you also need to focus in on is the fact that you're laying foundations for the future you're laying foundations for the rest of your life and if you go into a process whereby you've got a fixed time scale that's not necessary I'm assuming that most people listen to this maybe not like competition bodybuilders who have got 12 weeks to make a make weight or get into a shape for a show is that you don't have a specific time frame that you have to work into you know everybody wants to do everything quicker obviously that's just you know no one wants it to take forever right um but i think that understanding is that you're laying foundations for the future and i'll give you a, i'll give you an example so i've got one client who i'm working with right now and we're doing maintenance first so what we're working on is okay how do we make your diet healthful full of nutrients hitting protein targets optimizing for the style of like your lifestyle how that works so that at that point she doesn't have to think about dieting so at that point we're just spending two months just getting the diet to a point where it fits her lifestyle she has a comfortable relationship with food there's no like issues of guilt and anything like that so in two months time when we then start to push into a calorie deficit and lose weight she's doing so from a very solid base and that means that a she's got the habits that she will need post diet to maintain because we're all very good at losing weight that's not the issue everybody can lose weight it's the issue of what happens after that so what we're doing is spending some time now establishing those habits so that after the dieting period it's just a case of uh, moving calories up and down there's no real other things to think about there's no like habits to think about there's no um, well, how do I incorporate more fiber how do I set up my protein all these different sorts of things that um, could be complicated for someone to try and figure out whilst also dieting we're getting that out of the way up front so there's lots of different ways that you can do it but having a mindset of well what happens after dieting is hugely crucial and that's why you know things like keto probably don't work for the vast majority of people because I would always say like when you start off on any diet is think about well can you see yourself doing this after dieting is over or would you want to reintroduce a bunch of carbohydrate after that period and if the answer is you can't stick to it after dieting then don't start and go down a different way there's lots of different ways that you can do it so think about when you are thinking about going on a dieting phase think long term or you know what's the phrase that I like to use start with the end in mind and then figure out like, what is it you're gonna do for the majority of your life 
and then sort of work backwards to say, well, how can I do this within a dieting context? So uh, that's, I guess, where that phrase came from. I love the, I think it is important to kind of set the expectations with your clients. And I think that's so important when, when you are having the initial conversation. I hope people are having an initial conversation with, with coaches and stuff like that when they are signing up with them because it is so important. Like, you know, you can get a lot of information from a questionnaire or anything like that, but it is so important to understand where that person's psyche is at, what kind of background they've had, have they kind of yo-yo dieted or gone from Slimmer World or Weight Watchers or whatever it may be. Um, and it's important to kind of say that maybe 12 weeks is an amazing goal, but like, after the 12 weeks what what is the plan are we going to kind of work towards kind of trying to get a little bit more energy to work on your sleep all that kind of stuff and those little points that i think a lot of people forget along the way are kind of potentially a little bit more important is trying to get your sleep getting your veg your fruit your water looking after yourself mentally and all that kind of stuff is potentially forgotten a lot of the time um, and i think it's important not to promise the world to yourself also but also from a coach's perspective and it has to you have to get buy-in i do get that but it is important to set the expectations and set the bar at a level where the expectations can be met uh, on, on both ends and don't get me wrong there are kind of like eight ten week twelve week challenges uh, don't get me wrong i've done them as well i've done a fitness photo shoot and lost a stupid amount of weight in 10 weeks and i would not regret it but the point that simon also made was if you are choosing a lifestyle or a particular like i say a mediterranean diet or whatever it may be can you see yourself adhering to that and i the, i think danny lennon of sigma nutrition had a person on a, a good while ago at this stage but he was saying if when, when you're picking a plan or picking a diet or whatever it may be can you see yourself adhering to that in 20 years and if the answer is no but then I would say hard pass. Um, yeah. I think that that is important because like keto does have its place for diabetics and stuff like that. For the vast majority of people, carbs are, are too are too bloody good to uh, to get rid of. I enjoy carbs way too much. I did 100 grams of carbs a day for two weeks and I wanted to cry um, and I wouldn't advise doing that. Um, a lot of people, social media is incredible, which we've spoken about. But one thing that I can can have an impact on is our mental health and leading to an increase in insecurity and a lot of people feel that insecurities are kind of holding them back and fear is holding them back and stuff like that and i think i did a solo episode on this probably i don't even know what day it is uh probably before christmas and it was probably one of the most downloaded episodes and most shared episodes but fear and insecurities hold a lot of people back um but you've kind of put a unique twist on it saying it's never as bad as you think can you kind of expand on that a little bit more yeah so i think that um just as a, a bit of a bit of background is that I, I i myself i did a solo podcast episode all about my own sort of like mental health sort of side of things and it was all around about basically before i made the transition into the fitness world is how low i got at that point and I think kind of showing some of that vulnerability always kind of helps people realize that, you know, even though we are in the fitness space and we theoretically know what we do when it comes to nutrition and training and stuff like we are also human beings and we also have like anxieties, doubts and things like that. And so we're not machines and robots that are emotionless souls that just kind of smash calorie targets and we achieve all our goals very very easily i think we all have fears and anxieties and, and things like that but i also think that you know um 
I think, what was it? Way back in, was it, I'm going to say 2002, um, Metallica, it's a very side tangent now, um, did a documentary called Some Kind of Monster, which was basically about uh, James Hetfield had uh, become an alcoholic and he was the lead singer, if you don't know who Metallica are. Um, <laughs> so they had a, basically a, an in-house psychologist, therapist working with them and the documentary basically turned from being a making of the album into their whole like psychological thing. And the therapist they were working with basically said, uh, anytime you get a, a fear, is the gut reaction is to kind of turn back and go away from that fear, whereas actually the response, response should be is to go through and work past that fear, go straight into it and work past it. And that's something that even from then I started to like think about that is that I will come up to certain things that I don't really want to do. It feels uncomfortable. And always the thing is to push through that. And I think that we always create these anxieties. Anxiety is something that uh, I've wrestled with and struggled with for, for many, many years, especially on like the business side of things, because you are like on your own. Well, I, I am anyway. Um, and so you kind of like have all these worrying thoughts around your head. You create all of these scenarios that have never happened, but in your mind, you've created them and it creates that fear. Uh, but when you actually work through those, it's never quite as bad as you kind of had in your head. So I've kind of, I read a book called The Worry Trick. I can't remember who wrote it, but um, I listened to it a while back, The Worry Trick. And he talked about the fact that all of these different emotions, like anxiety is a perfectly human emotion. And, it, you know, you can link it back to the fact that cave men or cave women, cave people, um, were, or whatever pronoun of your choice you want to use back then, um, were... You know, you had anxiety because you thought maybe some sort of bear or tiger would come and eat you while you're asleep. So you had some anxiety and therefore you built up defenses against that. And so that's a natural emotion. And therefore, what he talks about in the book is that, well, you don't have to try and fight all of these emotions to try and say, well, I should never be feeling like this. I shouldn't be feeling fear or anxiety or worry or something like that. It's well understanding that trying to remove all of those feelings is probably a fool's errand. And actually just developing ways to deal with those things is often the best way to do it. And that book for me was kind of real transition point because what I start to do now is anytime I feel that feeling, I kind of just let it, I, I sit with it and say, okay, right, I feel anxious, let's say, I don't know, about finances or whatever it is, or am I doing enough in my business, whatever the thing is. Then I say, okay, right, that's a, a feeling. I'm not gonna try and you know ram it down and ignore it, but that's how I'm feeling. And then I like to then make a rational choice after that. So that would be something, okay, right, What is what can I do now, today, to progress myself forward in the right direction related to that thing. So if I've got a, a worry about, uh, I don't know, the growth of my business or whatever, is okay, that's a feeling, but what can I do positively right now in this moment today to make a difference? And that's all I can do. And then I kind of let that feeling go out because there's no point sitting there and worrying about it. The only thing I can do is what's the next positive action I can take. And I've, now kind of like instilled that in my clients to say, I call it like a, a conscious pause to say, 
right, let's say, for example, you are snacking and you're just really insatiable or you've got like, emotions and or all over the place, stress is all over the place and your natural response is just to reach for food all the time. That's just like your gut reaction is to go, I feel like this, so I'll grab some food. Now, what I get my clients to do is just imagine hitting a massive pause button on like the remote control of life and saying, right, in this moment, how do I feel? Why do I feel like that? What is it that I'm emotional about or stressed about? Then you're kind of saying, well, over the course of the next 10 minutes or five minutes or however long you want your pause to be, think about, well, what is the next positive action I can take that actually helps me with that particular emotion? Now, if it's stress, for example, is going eating a full tub of Ben and Jerry's actually going to make you less stressed? Now, when you have an opportunity to sit and think, the likelihood is you're going to come out with no, that's not going to help me feel less stressed. So you're stopping yourself from having that knee-jerk reaction to everything, every emotion, every anxiety, every fear, and you're actually creating a next conscious action. Now, sometimes the response will be, yes, actually, I'm hungry. I do want some chocolate. Great, cool, go for the chocolate. At least the decision becomes a conscious one, not a reactive one. And it just starts to help with, you know, people talk about willpower a lot, but willpower is like real up and down. You can't really rely on willpower. So having that conscious pause and just having that little moment to sit and breathe and think allows you to make that next decision a positive one that A, is probably aligned to your goals or, you know, makes you feel like you have some level of control over the whole process. And, you know, thinking about things like, I ask, get clients in that moment to ask themselves a few questions. So over time, it comes a little bit more natural, but you kind of get them to ask themselves, well, how will I feel if I take this action? So for example, how will I feel if I have a tub of Ben and Jerry's? What will I feel after that happens? Well, I might feel a little bit, you know, like um, I wasn't in control. I feel maybe feel a little bit guilty for having a whole tub because maybe that was a bit excessive. And then what would you feel if you didn't do that? Oh, okay, I might feel I've got a bit more control or I feel a bit more accomplished or something like that or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then you kind of say, well, maybe after all that process, maybe you do feel hungry, maybe you do want something, but you've had like five, 10 minutes to really think about it. And then again, like if the decision is then to go for Ben and Jerry's, fine, no guilt, no no judgment about that process. But more often than not is that because you've had time to think, you go for something, maybe, I don't know, a piece of fruit or whatever that is a little bit more aligned to your goals because you've thought about it but i think the fear anxiety they're all natural emotions and i think having ways and means to deal with those things is important and when you come out the other side again your own thoughts probably run away far quicker than you realize and far drift far away from what the reality actually is so i think about um ways and means to kind of handle those things is, is always important i really like that idea of kind of just pausing and actually well the, i think the analogy of using the ben and jerry's because ice cream is awesome and <laughs> um and i think a lot of people do kind of potentially when they are feeling a little bit blah or a bit of crap mentally or, or whatever or something has happened or whatever food can be the first thing that they go for um and that that might be an underlying issue or this could be one of those things that you're just kind of you want it and that's okay too but 
I like the way you've said to kind of pause and actually challenge how do, do I actually want this and how will I feel afterwards I think that's that's one key point that I will be taking out of this episode with yourself Simon and bringing that to, to the girls that I'm working with um, and in relation to yourself Simon like how can people find out more information about yourself the podcast the emails and how you're working on stuff busy in the background i saw your stuff on your story yesterday with the videos and how you're editing videos when you're on talking because i can't <laughs> do it um but where can people find out about your your services your coaching your podcast and like for anyone that isn't following simon seriously do it the the amount of work that this man this man puts into his content and the podcast that he puts out like i think simon you do it daily yeah or, seven days a week yeah that's beyond like i got a message yesterday from one of my clients can you do it every day a week during lockdown i was like "Mm, twice a week is i was doing once a week and now i'm at twice a week do i want to do seven but like it like i love doing the podcast but i think seven might be a bit much for me but seriously guys listen to simon's podcast he he knows the stuff um and he he his content's incredible so where can people find out about yourself simon yeah, so social media wise, I hang out the most on Instagram. So you kind of mentioned at the beginning, iron underscore paradise underscore fitness. There's links to all of the the podcast in there. So if you click the link in the bio, you can go to my website, ironparadisefitness.com, where there's articles, all that sort of good stuff, and information about coaching. You can go to the podcast, YouTube channel, all that sort of stuff, and download some free freebies and things like that. That's always there. Um, always open to a few DMs and things like that if you want to ask me questions and, and stuff like that. Facebook is, I guess, I'm Paradise Fitness. Um, a little less time on there. I have a Facebook group. Um, the CoFit group is uh, like continuing. So you mentioned before um, about the CoFit event. So we've because we kind of had so many people that were interested in that event, we've kind of kept the group running. Um, so that's kind of a I'm putting in some exclusive content free stuff in there as well so if you want to add the co-fit group to their facebook groups then you can do that as well no guys please do kind of if you do have any questions or kind of want to give any feedback to simon on today's episode please please do because uh he's very approachable he's not a monster i and i think it's the, i think it's the first time i've ever had a metallica reference on a podcast as well <laughs> so uh simon thank you so much for for coming on today and i hope your family everyone around you keep safe during this weird time my pleasure man likewise to yours as well thank you